KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. There's been a lot of talk lately about the origin of COVID-19. Specifically, we are seeing more and more attention being given to the theory that the virus could have emerged from what is called a lab leak from a lab in Wuhan, China, as opposed to the theory that it jumped from animals to human. Now, there's no hard evidence of a lab leak right now, but it is an idea you're hearing talked about more and more these days. We wanted to dig into the idea of a lab leak, learn about them, and also just kind of talk overall about the investigation into the origin of the pandemic. So we reached out to Dr. Joseph Amon. He is the director of the Office of Global Health at Drexel University's Dornsife School of Public Health. Really interesting conversation. Give a listen. So I kind of want to start with the, the definition of lab leak. Is it basically what it sounds like, the idea of a virus or pathogen escaping out of a laboratory setting? Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think there's an important distinction between two kinds of lab leaks. Now, in this context, what's being talked about is sort of the accident lab leak, where maybe someone in the lab was infected and then moved into the community and then transmission occurred from there. And the other is the idea that maybe there was some engineering of the virus that was going on and that it leaked sort of directly into the community from the lab intentionally, unintentionally. How often do lab leaks occur in general, even outside COVID-19? Do we have a lot of examples of this happening before? Yeah, labs, you know, have really serious uh, and should have really serious biosafety precautions, depending upon the kinds of pathogens they're working with. Um, But there's often the possibility of leaks in the U.S., for example, the anthrax cases that occurred, it's believed, it's never been entirely clear the origin of the anthrax, um, but it's believed that someone working in a lab took the anthrax from the lab um, and then sent it by mail to different places in the U.S., including you know, politicians on, on the Hill as well as media sources. So lab leaks definitely occur um, from both sort of this intentional and this unintentional kinds of, of ways. So right now, when it comes to COVID-19, uh, the idea of a lab leak from this lab in Wuhan, China, seems to be building a lot of momentum right, right now. Why do you think that is? Why now? Well, you know, I think initially there was some talk about, you know, is it just a coincidence that there is a viral lab in Wuhan that has been working on coronaviruses, or is that something that could be the potential cause of the pandemic. Um, At the time, there was very little information to be able to say that there was any kind of link at all. And so what happened was it all got kind of labeled as conspiracy theories, um, which is true in the sense that there was no evidence behind the sort of allegations that were being made or innuendos that were being made. But the other part of this was it really wasn't the most important issue at the time. The most important issue at the time was responding to the fact that there were cases in the community, understanding the dynamics of transmission, what was a strategic way to prevent further transmission. And I think that some of the discussion of whether this was a lab leak early on was kind of shut down because it wasn't the most important thing. Some of it was because the people that were kind of floating the idea that perhaps this is a lab leak we're also referring to the virus as the you know, China virus or the Wuhan virus, 
And we're, you know, basically amplifying xenophobia around the virus in a way that also wasn't really the conversation that needed to be had at the time. And so I think those things kind of conspired together to cause a lot of people to say, hey, let's focus on the issues that we need to focus on and we can come back to this issue of the origin of the pandemic later uh, when we have maybe more time, more ability to understand the root causes, more evidence emerges where we can say something more definitively. I was surprised. Most of this, the discussion when you over the last year when it came to COVID-19 and its origin, most of the, I don't know if conventional wisdom uh, is the proper term here, but most people seem to indicate that the thought was it jumped from an animal to human and, you know, that was what what led to this. But I was actually surprised when I read, is there actually like an animal's never been been pinpointed? We uh, There's really no evidence of that either? Well, I mean, basically, you look at the structure of the virus and say, you know, what is it closest to? Um, this does, you know, look similar to other coronaviruses that have been found in bats. There hasn't been any kind of clear indication that it went from bats to another animal species to humans. Um, so, yeah, on the one hand, you could say there's no clear evidence of the, that this is a zoonotic infection from animals directly to humans. Um, you know, but there are some, there is some sense that it's, it's, uh, it's plausible that that, that that is one of the possibilities of how, um, it came into, into contact with humans. You know, part of the challenge is it's really hard sometimes to do these outbreak investigations. And sometimes it takes a little bit of luck to find, you know, the animal that connected bats to humans in Wuhan. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, um, things remain a mystery in terms of where where they come from. Uh, China is not the most open society, shall we say, when it comes to investigations. How much would you think this investigation going to be hindered by the idea that it's probably a good chance we're not going to get a lot of uh, straight answers out of China? Absolutely. I think that, you know, was one of the forces also that propelled a lot of the initial conspiracy theories or just theory that this was associated with the Wuhan lab was that there was really no transparency. I mean, the doctor, Dr. Lee, who was the first one who really uh, notified the world about the COVID cases that were being transmitted in China was forced to sign a confession in which he was accused of making false statements and disturbing public order. Um, you know, citizen journalists in China who are running websites where they're documenting the amounts of cases were shut down. Other nurses who are complaining about lack of PPE within the COVID hospitals in China uh, were put in jail. So the idea of censorship in China is, you know, clearly one of the main factors here for not having a, a better understanding of this. And it and it's it's not a recent phenomenon either. If you look at the other sort of major uh, coronavirus pandemic, the SARS uh, outbreak that occurred a number of years ago. When the World Health Organization came to China to investigate that, the Chinese government actually moved SARS patients ahead of the teams from WHO that were going from hospital to hospital um, as part of their investigation. You know, in this case as well, you know, the Chinese government has really uh, put up a lot of obstacles for WHO to set the terms of reference for the 
the study to understand the outbreak, the origins of the outbreak. Um, they've slow walked it. They've limited uh, access to different sites. Um, and, you know, that's a huge problem if we're trying to understand global pandemics, where they come from, what can be done better. If you're doing this investigation and you're getting all the access you need, let's live in a world where all the windows are open. Uh, can you give me kind of a, a quick crash course on how you this would be reverse engineered to, to try to find the origin? Well, one of the things, I mean, there's going to be evidence that's gone, right? It's just not going to be possible to find. But one of the things that could be, I think, examined more is this issue that's been reported uh, by the Wall Street Journal and others that there were some cases uh, of workers at the viral lab in November who were had flu-like symptoms, you know, potentially had COVID. Um, looking more closely to determine, you know, where the first cases that were documented occurred would be really important. I mean, just because they were lab workers doesn't necessarily mean they were infected at the lab. If there was already a number of cases circulating in the community in November, but that no one was sort of putting it together and labeling it as something other than flu. Um, so you need to sort of really dig in, I think, and get what's called an epidemic curve of when was the real onset? What were the characteristics? Was this occurring, you know, in a certain age group and a certain, you know, if it was really just in the community, maybe we would have seen more older people who were retired and not workers who were younger really trying to kind of track that down. I mean, the aspects of the of the zoonotic exposure theory is kind of also m much of that's been lost because there wasn't a, a lot of immediate investigation of the different animals in the wet market in Wuhan. But there could be a lot more done on that side too to sort of continue to look at wet markets, continue to look for other cases where, you know, Exotic animals may have no symptoms of infection, but are carrying the virus. Um, so there's a number of things that could be done to kind of start digging in on that. And some of it's, you know, fairly straightforward and some of it's much more difficult and might require some modeling or might require some piecing together from a, uh, looking at the phylogenetics of the virus, sort of how different viruses are related to each other and where there might be additional links. When we're talking about an origin of something like COVID-19, are there really only kind of the, the two umbrellas, a lab leak of some sort, whether intentional, unintentional, and zoonotic? Is there a wild card? Is there another option here that maybe isn't getting a lot of play, but is something that we have seen in history before? I don't think so. I think that those are the options, and, and we really need to sort out uh, you know, where this where this came from and how we can be more prepared. I mean, in, in a way, regardless of, of what the origin is, we can take steps. We can take steps to improve lab security. We can take steps to improve oversight of experiments if they involve uh, highly uh, dangerous pathogens. Um, at the same time, we can take steps to address, you know, wet markets and live animal markets because we know that those facilitate transmission of viruses between species, which can lead to uh, jumping into the human population in, in, in a dangerous way. Um, so there's, there's a, a bunch of steps that we can take without ever kind of solving this mystery. But because of 
the extent, the scale of this, the historic nature of it, uh, it would be really important also to really hone in and, and understand the, the source here. Is it likely we will never get a definitive answer? There would just be a, you know, most likely this is what the people think? It depends a little bit on what your time frame is. If you look at the 1918 flu pandemic, global flu pandemic, uh, you know, we're still analyzing some of the viral sequences from that pandemic. Um, you know, it could be a long time before we get a definitive answer. Um, but I think that science will, will win out in the end. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon. We'll have another episode out soon.